Welcome to Disregard That. So, okay, so, uh, where is it? Second Nephi chapter two, verse 13 is where maybe we'll use as our jumping off point for a lot of this discussion. Yep. Um, so I'm just, I, I, I encourage everyone to read this, have it open in front of them, but basically it, uh, should, which we'll cut this part out. Should we, should we read this part? since it's so critical should we read critical verses yeah so i think maybe we should read it as a whole and then try to take it line by line so read it as a whole and okay. build up some context okay and maybe even is the verse before it matter well we'll get into it pertinent. i think 13 yeah. is i mean I, I think those other verses are important to talk about but 13 is going to be the core of everything okay yeah. right okay yeah, so so, yeah, read it. so uh second nephi chapter 2 verse 13 has this really critical and actually pretty well laid out argument. It makes it clear what the argument is trying to accomplish. Right. Um, so given other verses in the Book of Mormon, which are sometimes horribly unclear, <laughs> this one's pretty straightforward. Um, so it says, Ye shall say, and, sorry, And if ye shall say there is no law, ye shall also say there is no sin. So essentially... If there is no law, there is no sin. If ye shall say there is no sin, ye shall also say there is no righteousness. If you can't do wrong things, you can't do right things. That, okay. Mm-hmm. And if there be no righteousness, there be no happiness. Uh, I don't know if I agree with that, but we'll get we'll just continue. If there be no righteousness nor happiness, then there is no punishment nor misery. Uh, I see the analog. I, I see. I see what they're doing. And if these things are not, there is no God. So if righteousness, happiness, punishment, or misery don't exist, then there is no God. Again, I don't fully see the jump they're making there, but we'll get into it. Um, and if there is no God, then we are not. Neither the earth, for there could not have been creation um, without God, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, so, so it's very carefully laid out, yes. very step by step, which is, like you said, kind of astounding. With, yeah, um, it's some great. Some of the language in some places gets really wordy and weird and like not sure what they're talking about or why they're talking about it. Or why repetitive. they're saying it in the way they're um, saying it. Right. They they just repeat certain things that kind of happen in the Bible already. Like, yeah, it's just kind of garbage. But here we have like a, a golden nugget of yeah. as far as you know, some forethought into laying out an argument goes or a point. Yeah, and this is actually better than a lot of arguments I've read in philosophy. I think more clear to understand. Oh yeah, as far as, it's almost like you see sometimes people will do, um, they'll read a book, some philosophy book, and there'll be some like pin underpinning argument to the yeah. some section or whatever and they'll try to distill it down into like point by point like premise one premise two all right inference yeah infer- and they'll do yeah. something like that this is more laid out like something like that than yeah. an actual you know philosophy book a lot of the time right or awesome. some someone like Locke who is incomprehensible yeah right <laughs> yeah the, it, it really helps to have it laid out like this so it's, yeah it's, it's awesome um so bonus points we'll, yeah. we'll give the this is good. 
Good. Job, Joseph Thank. Smith and or God and or Oliver Crowdery, who everyone. was that? The guy's name who actually was doing the writing? Something like that. It's one of those. There was another person helping him. I think him. you're mispronouncing it, but I think that's the right name. Sure. I don't remember the right It doesn't matter. There was people writing things. Cool. So uh, do we want to distill this a little bit into kind of the formal Yeah, logic? I think we should dive in because I think it is a – not only is it well laid out, there it is saying a lot. It is making a big case for some big things. So I, I think we should maybe go line by line. Sure. Let's um, do it. Kind of dig in. All right. Um, so first line, and if ye shall say there is no law, ye shall also say there is no sin. So I, I agree with this completely depending on what sin is. But if you're kind of thinking it, of it, I think good analogy or you know maybe explanation is something can't be illegal if there's not, if we haven't defined what is illegal yet. Does that right. seem fair? That seems fair. And I think in this context, um, he's not talking about civil law he's talking about the law of god mm-hmm. so and sin especially sin is typically like when you do something that is against the law of god so yeah if there is no law then you can't break the law so yeah i right. i if and, if not a then not b right yes okay so if we wanted to really distill it to just the pure logical material um what, what is that called? I, I don't remember what it's called, but essentially some form of modus potens, though, of material. Well, that's just the that's or... yeah, that's just the if then if then statement. Yeah, yeah. If not a, then not b. We haven't added the second part, which would make it a modus potens or tollens. We still need to add the second part. So the next verse would be, if there is no sin, then there is no righteousness. So the first line was if not a, then not b. Next line is if not b then oh, not C. Right. Yes. Um, so if there is no, there is no sin, sin, there's no righteousness, so which... Again, it kind of follows um, if there is nothing that's bad. Well, and we shouldn't... We should stay away from the terms bad and good, I think. Because sure. that opens up a whole other door. Yeah. Although they they do kind of step into it with righteousness, depending on how you mm, twist that. I, but it's also uh, a good, like, just opposite for sin. Yeah, Sin yeah. Sin is the opposite of righteousness, like yeah. legal is the opposite of illegal. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's being charitable to the case that it's making. Yeah. Although the, the analog does kind of break down because with legal and illegal, it's not really um, positively directed and negatively directed. It's not like you do this thing and that it's better than doing something illegal. Because um, legal is kind of like a neutral position. There's just nothing stopping you from doing it, right? Right. Whereas in this case, righteous is like the flip side. Um, where I, yeah. You could maybe be in between. So so maybe maybe that is too big of a jump, but I'm willing to accept I, it. Yeah, I, I don't see a major problem with, with it. Um, I see major problems with stuff further on down the line, so I don't really want to bother with that okay, one. Okay, sure. Um. So, right, so, so far we have, if not A, then not B, if not B, then not C. And if there be no righteousness, then there be no happiness. So if not C, then not D, how do you, what do you make of that line? Okay, so that seems like a clear indicator that we have to get into goodness from here. Um, unless, like, depending on how you're defining happiness. Oh, happiness um, is just If the law is happy. just a prescription to live a good life. 
Is that is that what it is? Righteousness I don't think so. Is an in, is like a that has to be. If there is no righteousness, then there is no happiness. If you don't have a path to being happy, so, it feels like what it's saying. Righteousness is the pathway to happiness. I, yeah. Okay. So so let's 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 take it back to the legal and illegal. Okay. Um, following rules of the road, mm-hmm. I'd be, in a sense, a righteous thing to do. Okay. But with the way that we're talking about the word righteousness I, as just following the law. Okay. Um, following the rules of the road allows for happiness because you I don't see. get killed. <laughs> I see. So it's not to say that it is happiness or it is what creates it. It, it just allows for it. And without it, yeah. if people don't obey the, the, the laws on the road, then, I mean, and this is where that analogy kind of breaks down, because you'd have to assume the alternative is everyone is always crashing into people and dying, and there's no, no Which one if, happy. Which, if everyone was running red lights, that would happen. <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> or people would just stop driving or something. Right, but point taken, though, um, I think that's fair. Do you think that's what they're doing here? Well, so... The, the the problem that I see with it, and this is where just the confusion sets in a little bit, is if there isn't righteousness. So remember how we got to accepting there there is no righteousness was saying there is no right or wrong. If there if there is no law, there is no right or wrong. Mm-hmm. There is no one's defined it. Right, but so I think all all acts are, you know, almost to say morally ambiguous. Yeah, like as if you could do something and be confused as to whether or not you should be happy or miserable after doing it. Uh, So I can see where they're coming from, but I just disagree. Um, But is that the right interpretation? uh, Maybe. Well, how else could they be interpreting it? If there is no righteousness. It seems like they're saying without this law... You just can't be happy. It's impossible to chart a course to happiness. Whether or not this just makes it possible or makes it, like, makes it a thing, like, being righteous makes you happy or being righteous makes you allow, allows you to be happy. Regardless, they're saying, um, without a law, you can't be happy, right? Yeah. Which is just, I just don't accept that. So it, would you say that, for example, you could go, eat a bowl of ice cream and be happy regardless of whether or not there is no law. Yeah. Well, and I guess maybe to make my point more clear to go with that, I don't care who's defined what, where it doesn't matter to me what thoughts anyone has had in their head. When I eat a bowl of ice cream, there's a chemical reaction that happens that, you know, generally creates a sensation of pleasure, which isn't to equivocate on pleasure and happiness. It's just to say generally things that compose pleasure or things that compose happiness are oftentimes associated with pleasure. Like I, that seems hard to argue with. Okay, so there it seems like there's a more fundamental nature of pleasure or of happiness. So, so that doesn't perhaps, rely on perhaps it's more like something that Aristotle was getting in his virtue ethics, where like a person isn't doesn't have the good life. While they're living, it is only after they're dead can we say whether or not they have the good life. Um, 
they they had to have basically finished living so if if we are in the state of ambiguity in the life or in this case without the law then we might be in a state of happiness but we just wouldn't know it we wouldn't be able to recognize it for what it is something like that or maybe okay without following laws if you're just doing random things it would be hard to achieve the things that would lead to you having lived a happy life okay um so much hard that it's impossible or so much harder so it's impossible yeah, because you'd have to be making random choices for, what, 80 years? Because then... this isn't just saying, just to be clear, this isn't saying if there is no law, then it's really hard to be happy. This is saying there is no happiness, which kind of indicates a harsher degree than just, if there is no law, then random actions, you know, probably won't ever take you to the land of happiness. Like, if we're thinking of every action as a movement, and certain movements get you closer to happiness... Other movements get you further away, where the righteous ones take you to happiness and the the other ones take you away. That's not quite what this is saying, because yeah. even if you take away some compass, there still is happiness out there. It's you, just harder to find, or it would be a random occurrence for you to find it. Yeah, if I dropped 100,000 people out in the middle of an ocean and just like gave them a boat, like a rowboat, yeah. someone's probably going to hit Britain, right? Right. You pick any point in the world. Yeah. Like, even just, you know, like a pin on Google Maps, you yeah. drop it anywhere. They'll probably... Eventually. Someone. Someone is maybe. And if you do, it. if you extend that to 8 billion humans that are alive today to the 40 billion who have been alive, who, ha- who have lived... Yeah. And, and happiness, presumably, you know, isn't like a, you have to be happy the whole life, for your whole life to achieve happiness. It's like, as long as you were happy for one instant. Well, I've, okay, that, so that makes it a lot easier to hit. I was, I was working on the assumption that you had to do it your whole life. Well, in that analogy, that would mean someone would have to land on the happiness spot and then stay there. I was thinking as long as someone eventually will randomly cross paths with this happiness spot and be happy. Someone eventually, without a compass, uh, yeah, will be yeah, happy. Yeah, and, and I think so. I either think, way, statistically, I think it works out. E- yeah, either way, there isn't, there isn't like you also happen to have to have this key that allows you to open the door to happiness, right? right? You could under the analogy we were just talking about, run upon it right. without law. But it seems like this is saying if there is no righteousness, then essentially no one has the keys to happiness. It doesn't matter what you do. Right. You could make all the same choices as someone who had, like if we, if we, if we talk about two parallel yeah. worlds, they do the same one has things. law, one doesn't. Yeah, they do the same exact things. It sounds like one person could not achieve happiness and the other person living in a world with law mm-hmm. could. Okay, so I agree with that assessment, but that poses an interesting question. Like, who cares? What's what's the difference? Who cares? Well, how it, it seems like they're defining nothing into this situation. Yeah, I I don't I, I don't yeah, I don't know why we should accept that. Yeah, it just seems kind of absurd. I think I think your analogy, you know, hit it right on the head. Um, two people living identical lives do all the same things. One of them is in this universe where we're on one side of this logical chain where there is no law, which means there is no happiness. 
they're not asserting anything about the actions you can do because yeah given you know we're working on more of a fundamental rule of physics they could in theory do the same things same yeah actions yeah and whatnot. yeah um we understand kind of chemically how your brain works they could in theory experience the same things as well um so that all of those line up perfectly similar and just one world there is sense. a law one world there isn't you're yeah. just defining this absurd term they both have identical physical states and yet one is happy and one isn't that doesn't make any sense uh, it just seems like a pointless so, argument to make okay well let's should we move on let's take yeah okay. well let's let's go on to the next thing let's see where this goes Maybe we can so, interpret it better later down the road if there is no righteousness nor happiness, then there be no punishment nor misery. So I'll agree that if there is no righteousness, wait, hold on, I take that back. If there be no righteousness. Well, I, I agree with that because if there is no law, we haven't defined, go back to the legal analogy, we haven't yeah. defined what's legal or li- illegal. Therefore, no matter what I do to you, it can't be a name of can't retribution be right. for some illegal thing you did it would just just, be another action it's an action that's you know happens to be painful for you sure but it's not a punishment okay and likewise with the misery thing yeah that's the same problem it seems kind of hollow right it's like okay sure i'll give you that but you're not saying anything you're just defining yeah happiness is now following the law but that's not what happiness is right that's not how we perceive it and and it seems like then this is maybe doing something more like uh, G.E. Moore and people in that same kind of uh, philosophical group where they make this very important distinction between pleasure and goodness, right? So it seems like in the same way, they're kind, or in a similar way at least, there's got to be some kind of distinction between pleasure and happiness. But uh, is there though? I mean, I'm it, so, it oh, seems no, like there I has agree. to be. I agree, but have... I feel like happiness is less of a foreign concept than goodness. It's yeah. a little harder to approach just because yeah. it's like a general vibe. When you when you try to <laughs> – excuse my terrible wording there, but you know what I mean? Like when you talk about goodness and you yeah. try to pinpoint a particular action and say, is that good? That gets messy real quick. Right. But I feel like it's fairly easy for me to say, oh, yeah, last week I felt really happy. Yeah, and whether or not you're good is totally up for grabs. Yeah, whether but, or not you can well define that, who cares? Like, the point is, I felt happy. Like, am I wrong? You definitely felt happy. Yeah, I felt happy. I feel like I was happy. So, it, it does seem like more of a semantic. Yeah. Difference. So maybe let's put off talking about that until we can find somewhere else where yeah. they give us a better definition of okay. happiness or misery. So next um, line, and if. These things are not, there is no God. Okay. Boom. So, so how, how do you think they draw that? Okay. 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 Hold on. Let's back. uh, I just, just so first line, if not a, then if not B, if not B, then if not, then not C, if not C, then not D. And if not C and D, if not C and not D, then not. <laughs> I think you're going a little too far with that. Yeah, yeah. Really I the, am. the chain of implication means it's, you can it's a chain. Say, if it's not totally A, then a not God. Because they all yes. fall, they're dominoes, right? So if not the law, then not God. Yes. Sweet. 
Okay. So I, that what? seems logically valid. So is that saying? Oh well, yeah, I agree. That that's very straightforward logic in terms of the yeah. formal execution. Um, yeah. The meaning, though, I don't. I don't know how. First of yes. all, I don't know how you get from no punishment nor misery to there is no God. Um, like, well, and I think are you considering there's no righteousness, no law, no happiness, no punishment, no misery. Um, to say there's no God, or is it just no punishment and misery means there's no God, or is it just no law means there's no God? Like, because it well, seems like you yeah. wouldn't have to make this chain of reasoning to, you know, mount up to there is no God if it just took one or two of them. Or if, if it took all of them. If it took all of them, you just say, if there's not this, 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 and this, then there is no God. But since they lead right. into it, it seems like it is just no punishment and misery means no God. <laughs> At least, you know, that, that's how I first kind of interpret that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So trying to okay. understand how they make that yeah. step, right? So it does seem more like then, in that case, that what this is doing is saying, if there is no law, you can't have punishment, righteousness, happiness, or misery. And if you don't have those things, then you okay. you can't have God. Sure. Okay. So I would say I would agree with you that it takes those four things. It doesn't really matter about the law. The law is just like what motivates the argument. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it implies those things, but really, the the leap when you're trying to consider what helps you take the leap, it's punishment and misery, happiness and righteousness, because that's the point of sin and right or yeah. Was that correct? Yeah. So again. Yeah, because that's the point of the law. That's the point of the sin. That's the point of all these things is to make you happy, I take it. Yeah, <laughs> maybe not. To punish you or be miserable in certain cases. I don't um, want to confirm or deny that. I, I don't feel like we okay, have whatever. enough to go off but, of. But are those the – what are the important points that get us to know God? Happiness and okay. misery. Well, let's leave them. So maybe the next verse makes a little more sense then, right? <laughs> so <laughs> if there is no God, we are not. So I think if I had to phrase this, I'd say, if there is no God, then we do not exist or we would not exist, yes. nor the earth. So then the earth doesn't exist. Because there couldn't be creation. So if there was no God, there wouldn't be anything. Neither to act nor to be acted upon. Oh, that's interesting. So this is, well, let's not go there. <laughs> not yet anyway, maybe later. But this is essentially a proof by contradiction, right? Yes. We started at the top. We're saying, is there law or is there not law? Um, yes. All right, let's explore the case where there is not law. All right, we follow this line of reasoning. We get to the end. Well, this would lead us to a universe with nothing in it because there couldn't be creation. But there is. Therefore... Yeah, because we see there there is. Yeah. Yeah, there must be law. So what this then means for us or anyone who wanted to prove this wrong is that they would have to show that there are other options. Right. Somewhere, other explanations. Somewhere in the line of implication. Right. There are other explanations. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you now. <laughs> you may um, have heard. But <laughs> uh, so, um, I, I we could get into that, but I'm still not happy with how they make the jump from punishment nor misery into there is no God. 
Yeah. So so there's definitely a problem there and a problem with the righteousness to happiness. Yeah. Right? So there's a problem with the premise itself and then how that premise gets us to know God. Yes. Well, I guess a separate question is, what is this saying as a whole? What is the point of this? Like, it's very clearly written out. Um, they're trying to prove that there there must be law. Like, fundamentally, inherently, yeah. there has to be 14. law. 14. Look at verse 14. So it says... Uh, I speak these things for your profit and learning. There is a God and he hath created all things. Um, and then where was it? There's a part. Uh, I guess for your profit. Uh, so in verse 14 again, so it does say for your profit. I don't, I would venture to say, and tell me if I, if this is not good. Could I replace profit with happiness? Yeah. I mean... Is there a major like problem with that? one of the that? few things that is inherently valuable. I mean, that's why people or seek in, after money, typically. Right. Well, right. If we, if we look at all the things that are extrinsically valuable, that is to say the only value is getting you some other valuable thing, and we, like trace them all back to a path that leads us to something that is valuable in and of itself. Serotonin. It seems like they all lead to happiness. <laughs> serotonin. And not just serotonin because sure. there is some optimization of like managing your states. Like, you know, if you're always right. feeling serotonin, yeah. you're yeah, a heroin yeah. addict. Sure. But anyway, like generally being happiness involves serotonin. Yeah. Involves other chemicals, involves a good life. So yeah. the only reason you would ever care to profit or only profit you could ever profiting you could ever do in any situation would be to lead to your happiness maybe or any other thing that that could be i think it only comes down to happiness i mean okay he's certainly not using profit in terms of money because there's no way that verse 13 is getting you money so your profit isn't in terms of money um profit could be eternal well-being for your eternal well-being and learning yeah, but I think that just ultimately contributes to happiness. Sure. And then we could even get happiness away from the, the chemical. We don't want to just fully support a chemical conception of happiness. Maybe there is a a soul that experiences happiness and sure. we just see that happening in the brain. Yeah, whatever. Eternal happiness, right? Yeah, I don't know why else you would want eternal well-being unless it was... Yeah. So, yeah, my point is I think that's fair. All, all things that you profit in, even if they're talking about some other thing you're profiting in, the ultimate point um, is happiness. So yeah, it seems like that he that's... created all these things, um, so that we might be happy. Well, he and sa- learn. Yeah. Well, he's speaking these things, which is verse thirteen specifically. Oh, right. I speak unto you these things for your profit and learning. So these the the ultimate point of for your knowing benefit? the law is to be happy, which seems in line with. With the argument itself where it's saying without any law, then you can't be happy. Yeah. Yes. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Seems pretty clear that that's what's going on. Um, I, so, so then there's, we still haven't answered the problems then. Is, yeah. how are we making this jump from Yeah. How is that a law? requisite force in, I can see how it contributes, but I don't see how when you negate law, it, negates happiness or any potential therein um yeah it still seems like 
And that, so, yeah, maybe let's just go through the problems in the argument now. So, Needs to prove that there is a link between righteousness and happiness. Yeah. I would argue that you can do things that are technically illegal, technically um, bad in various ways that could make you happy. Sure. Just well, for a moment. Yeah. I mean, this is this is easy, right? We can just either imagine or go to hard evidence of other cultures that did things for happiness that they considered righteous. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, right? exactly. You take yeah. two separate religious groups. Yeah. Um, they're clearly not compatible. Yeah. So one of them is doing wrong things. Yes. And if you find a member in one of the groups who's ever been happy or a member in both the groups. Yeah. That means it's possible to live with the wrong law and be happy or that's what it seems like this argument is trying to say no law because god's law is the law we're talking about the god that he is prescribing in this book yes so right there so the implication is broken the chain of yeah that that doesn't that seems to break the so essentially we're saying that third premise is false so even if having righteousness does not imply not having happiness yeah, that's that's certainly what it seems like. Yeah. Furthermore, <laughs> I think we can keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so was the next problem with... The jump from those four, those to, four to... no God? No God. Okay, so how? That, that <laughs> seems like you... <laughs> there's a lot to unpack because it seems like it's saying the only point of God, and maybe it's built into his definition or its definition, his or hers definition, is to be an arbiter of law or maybe is a force of happiness, is a force of good in some way. Mm-hmm. It seems like that would have to make the case or would have to be the case to make this argument, to make this step. Yeah. Um, is that reasonable to accept? Yeah, well, yeah. I And because... It seems like these things are sufficient and necessary for God. Is that right? The existence of punishment and sin and righteousness and happiness. Or if you want to be real, real easygoing, then just the existence of happiness. Let's just stick with happiness. I think sure. Narrow down to one. There has to be potential for happiness in the universe for god to exist because if there is not happiness then we know god doesn't exist and that's not just to say like no one is experiencing happiness that is to say you literally can't be happy right fundamentally cannot be either way it's a problem yeah i don't see how that follows (laughs) um because we could imagine an all-powerful entity wants everyone to suffer yeah or even an but we wouldn't entity. call that god now would we i guess not well what what about an all uh, so take two universes one has a god in it with people and they're being happy the other one has a god in it and there's no people <laughs> there, and consciousness does not exist in that universe except for god well okay sure but if god can be happy then he can just define himself into existence <laughs> his own happiness fulfills his own characteristic too. Yeah. Okay. So basically there's not really a nice link that 
yeah. is there. And it's if there just, is, it's messy and weird. And it seems like just an edict. Seems like it would have some weird implications for God itself. Um, the concept of God would maybe be weird if it re- relied on some concept of happiness. Um, so yeah, that's weird. Next step. So I really like that this argument is laid out as clear as it is. The argument itself still isn't very good, though. Yeah, it's kind of garbage. <laughs> it was written well. It makes it really easy to attack it. Sure. Which is very convenient for us. Convenient and uh, commendable. I think all philosophy, yeah. good or bad, should be written in easily understandable ways. Or at least, um, if you don't, have some some Rathian that has some argument. Like, it distills your argument down to something like that. Yeah. I think it, that... Um, now awesome. I do kind of want to look at the law. Yeah. Getting back to that. So we haven't made this clear distinction. It's from this argument. It's not entirely obvious that law equals God. Um, but let's just, let's give it, let's give it, let's say this argument is, is flawless. Okay. What is that law? And what is righteousness according to this book? Um, sorry, say that again. <laughs> what is law and what is righteousness according to the other parts of this book? So. Let's just assume that this is all true. Yeah, okay. Just take the, the implications for granted. There must be law. We have to live in a universe with law or else. Yes. There wouldn't be a universe. And, and law. Typically, we think of as the Ten Commandments. That's, I think that's maybe one of the oldest. Big component of it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely in the human experience as being, like, set in stone. I mean, yeah, even, people like... People reference it all the time. Yeah. People oftentimes say that, like, legal laws are, today, are based off of the Ten Commandments. Yeah, I think in, um, somewhere near the Supreme Court, somewhere in the Capitol, there's a big inscription of the Ten Commandments. Somewhere. Yeah, um, right. Which clearly have nothing to do with our legal system. No, they but, got two of them maybe three don't kill and don't steal sure where does it say don't kill in our legal system (laughs) i mean there's so many places where it says you can kill yeah but likewise in the bible there are places but different conditions certainly apply (laughs) i'm not making that point i'm just saying yeah if as a general you know onlooker of the two things you could draw those parallels yeah the rest of them there aren't any laws about idol worship. Right. Yeah. Um, the first four in the Ten Commandments are not applicable. Really. Right. So so we, we live in this world and we're assuming at least the Ten Commandments, but almost certainly more, are yes. the laws of our universe. Yes. Yes. They, they fundamentally have to exist for our universe to exist. Right. If they don't exist, there is no happiness, there is no God, and the universe can't exist. But the universe does exist, therefore the law does exist. Right. That's kind of what that argument is. Ten Commandments right? okay. exist, so we're good. We're well, not, yeah. We're not argued yeah. out of existence. We're fine here. Everything's matching up. There is a law, there is a universe, we're great. So right. the law, and then by that same token, righteousness. Uh, so what, what kind of acts are described as righteousness throughout the Book of Mormon? What kind of laws are there? I know that um, Nephi brings up, let me pull up the verse... Nephi brings up the Ten Commandments. I didn't write it down. 
There is a point, though, where Nephi brings up thou shalt not kill, covet, those standard commandments. Okay. Um, yeah. So within the Book of Mormon, for sure we're talking about the same commandments as in the Bible. So there's no discrepancy there. Um, but we do see, as we talked about last week, places where that gets violated. Right. With him killing Laban. Um, sure. Which now makes me wonder, since the law is critical for happiness and righteousness, if the law can be so easily changed, how do we know what righteousness is? Or how do we? How can we have righteousness and happiness if the law is malleable? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, and it gets a lot into what we were talking about last time, where it does pose a huge problem. Yeah. Um, who has the final say? And even when you're considering the system where we all, in theory, have this kind of compass, which is the spirit inside of us that will, you know, let us know what's up when yeah. we need it. Um, if you're looking at someone else and you're trying to evaluate their compass and you're like, well, you did something that seems to me, from just reasonable perspective, that was wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. It doesn't seem like there's a good way. And... um. It can't, we can't allow it to be malleable. Not if this argument in verse 13 is real to be believed. I mean, I. Because isn't that, I isn't that, that a changing goalpost on how you can achieve righteousness? Sure, but for the, for, for the, you know, strict argument, I don't think that really matters. I mean, that aside, it's already kind of a messy argument. <laughs> yeah. I guess, so. So while I was looking stuff about this stuff up about this topic, um, I came. Uh, so Jeffrey R. Holland's thing. I think you have it pulled it up, right? Yeah. Right. So um, Jeffrey R. Holland, uh, who is um, or was part of the Quorum of the Twelve, he's pretty famous. Pretty famous. Gets quoted a lot. Um, he in the summer of 1976 as the commissioner of church education. Um, he wrote an article that was addressing the question about how can I explain Nephi's killing Laban to my non-member friends? Um, well, essentially, why should we accept Nephi being righteous? Yeah. Given the situation. Right. Um, uh, number six, reason number six that, uh, Jeffrey R. Holland gives, um, it says, we realize then that the application of laws change as at the command of the lawgiver. So right there, he, he's establishing what we were just kind of postulating, that the law is, in fact, malleable. There is no definitive body of, you know, items of things you should do, given any scenario. It, it will change. So you have to rely on either compass, word of God, um, in the moment. Um, revelation all these things yeah. it, it inherently in the system you have to and it seems like we've seen that in a bunch of places um so you know he he agrees with us Definitely he, he agrees with us that it. the law is malleable that's what you just said <laughs> laws change so i i guess what i really want to know then is there a law can that really be considered can we really say there is a law if there is no way to know well the law is a 
set of guidelines, I would say. So if I'm trying to make this argument back, back in the second Nephi, um, for for there to be law, all I think it is, it means is that there is a path. Like the really real underpinning of the argument is that there's a pathway to truth. There is some um, mechanism that can lead us to truth that can How did you discern get right from wrong. Because that's so. Oh, discern we have a right law, from wrong. Gotcha. It is the guide for righteousness and sins. It'll tell mm-hmm. us what righteousness and sins are, and it will lead us to righteousness if we use it, which will lead us to happiness or give us happiness. Either one. Um, so regardless of where the law is changing in a moment to moment. There might be, I think how it's generally understood is that there is a general guideline for, you know, a wide variety of cases that doesn't get into specifics, that it'll help you out fairly well. And then in particular specifics, you have to rely on the spirit, <laughs> which is... Okay. So I okay. think, it's, I think I, it works for this argument. I think I that's think, fine. And I think what you're saying is in line with what other church authorities have have said about the the these commandments are kind of the general rule i don't pretend uh, one of them one of the church authorities was saying it's the rule but i don't pretend to know what the exceptions are right um right okay so so if we grant that then that that God exists because we see the world because we see that the world exists. This means that God exists. Yes, we are. I mean, that's a bad argument, but <laughs> sure, it means that God exists and therefore the law exists. But the law then, it's, it's I don't really need to pay attention to what the law is because I'm just going to have to pray and ask well, in yeah, every situation. It gets into all the problems we discussed yesterday. I think it creates a horde of problems. Like when we brought up the scenario of you have this Zion Island of people actually doing this, actually using like some internal compass. Yeah. It's so messy. Like that's an awful system, right? Um, Yes. So that everyone is just, yeah. Okay. They all have a secret compass. No one else can see that we're assuming is correct. Yeah. That, 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 that can't work. But does that mean then? Let me understand this. So, the law then isn't necessarily these things that are written down. It's the things, it's the, the thing, you, the burning of the bosom. Yeah. Um, okay, so I get this burning of the bosom, and it tells me, oh, here's this drunk dude who tried to kill me twice. Um, Jeffrey R. Holland kind of elaborates on this, that Laban did try to kill Nephi and his brothers multiple times. Mm-hmm. Cool. Attempted murder, drunk dude, I kill him. Now, a lot of people are going to say that's totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. And and following my my internal compass, I would have to say what Nephi did is wrong, right? Mm-hmm. Me as well. Mm-hmm. Like it, to me, to every reason I can see and every feeling, just tie him up. That I'm just... aware of that seems like a bad path. There are a yeah. lot of to any reasonable person, especially a reasonable person equipped with the tool of God. Like right. There are a lot of reasonable pathways we should be able to discern that doesn't end in violence. Like you're saying, tie him up. Um, you could even tie him up, bring him with you, and evangelize to him until he converts, and then send it back. Sure, right? It seems like that would maximize a lot of good for the city. Um, yeah, if you, or if you convinced like a really powerful figure in the city to be on your side, sure, 
Well, and it seems like he was the powerful, but like the the point is, there are, yeah, there are better ways to handle right. decapitating the guy. Um, so already we see like a case of point of, yeah. So right. well, so what I was saying though is, what I understand is righteousness according to my own personal compass, which apparently is the law, right? Because the law isn't what is written down. If the law can change, mm-hmm. right? And yep. if there are exceptions, then we don't really care what is written down. You we care. Use your compass inside, right? So if my compass says that what Nephi's did is not righteous, but Nephi's compass says what he did is righteous. Then I say, even with the law, there can be no righteousness. Oh yeah, well, because really, what you're saying is there isn't really a full law. I'm no, I'm saying if the law is such that whatever is our compass. Well, okay. So maybe I feel like I can knock that down. Okay. Knock I, it down. Knock it down. Like, Let's hear it. Um, if you say, and this might be worming here, but if you say that part of the law is also a pathway to having a good compass, like the prescriptions for feeling the spirit, um, and if you assume that this spirit will always give the same answers and the correct answers, and you, if your compass is not in alignment with someone else's compass, it just means you're not feeling the spirit. So and you have to follow the law to get to the law, right? Does that make sense? <laughs> like, there are guidelines so, in the scriptures. Okay, okay, okay. okay, 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 okay. So there's general rules which we have to follow in order to get to the advanced rules, which yeah. is that the general rules don't always apply. Yes. Okay. Right. I, I, okay, I'm actually, I I'm actually on board with that. It's definitely convoluted. It's weird, but I, I do but think, I think it, it works. It, I think it solves that issue. Okay, so, so now we're in a situation where you're basically just saying I'm not righteous. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And therefore, I can't determine what is and isn't yeah, righteous. You're fucked. Oh. <laughs> <Let me> retake. <laughs> yeah, you're screwed. Okay. Um. Um. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it's crazy. It, it doesn't make any sense. Um. How are we supposed to do this exactly? live <laughs> what do you mean live and follow the law so cuz looking at it clearly clearly since i'm disagreeing with the righteousness of nephi's actions clearly it must be the case that i'm not following the law appropriately otherwise i would see that his actions are righteous mm-hmm. so i'm in the state of not seeing his actions as righteous why would I want to follow the law if I believe that it leads you to unrighteous actions? Mm, I see. I don't think there's a reason for that. I don't think... Um, why Why would you want to follow the law if it seems evident that this alleged... So, we're assuming we're in a world where there is a law, and it is this law, mm-hmm. and he was a bystander, mm-hmm. or considering whether or not to follow the law, you're told... You have to, well, what would, you, what would you be told? You'd be told that you have to follow the law. To follow the law, the law to obtain happiness, according to this Well, no, thing. to be convinced that the law is the right law, as a bystander. Right. 
you the solution is you have to follow the law for a little bit, like a trial period, to see if it's the right law. Well, you have to follow it. No, no, not for a little bit. You have to follow it until you are righteous. And you are not considered righteous until you see that the actions done by others in righteousness are righteous actions. So if you can't just follow the law and then understand at some point that the law is wrong, following the law will always result in understanding that the law is righteous. Right. Well, all I'm saying is, so if you're trying to, I'm trying to convince you, you, you've never tried following the law or this law. Yes. And I'm trying to say, I'm trying to tell you why you should. Mm -hmm. And you're like, whoa, some other guy following that law killed someone. And I say, well, it's okay. Just try it out. <laughs> and then you'll you'll know what we're talking about. But if I tried out for a week, which I have tried out this law mm-hmm. for a week. Yeah, I, I tried I it out for 18 years. I still see what Nephi did is wrong. I, I concur. So does that mean that I'm right that this law is wrong? Or simply that I am still even though I've tried following the law, I'm still failing to follow the law and not righteous. Well, I don't know, because to my knowledge, I've followed the law pretty successfully for at least 14 of my 18 years while I was going to church. Um, uh, Well, I don't know. I don't really want to result in anecdote, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you do when the law fails or when it seems to fail? It can't fail. That's the problem, though. If we're accepting that it's real, the law can't fail. But we have occurrences where it seems like it does. To us, but we're not righteous. (laughs) Right, because we we refuse to follow the law that we don't see as being righteous. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And if we do start following the law... So there, there is no... I think what we're getting to here is there is no reason for why you should accept the law as the law yes there's no good reason because Because it always results in regardless of what happens while you're following the law even if it doesn't work that's not a reason against it you have to keep following the law yes (laughs) because if at any point you are holding the belief that the law is not good or Mm -hmm. not righteous then clearly you're not following the law Right. So the only way, it's kind of like a no true Scotsman fallacy, fallacy, right? Yeah. Yeah, actually it's exactly that. That when so we we used it on trial for some time. Mm-hmm. And then we decided that it still wasn't working. Um the argument against that is well, you weren't doing it right. You still weren't yeah. following the law. Right. Yeah. So That's so exactly the if, no true Scotsman fallacy. We we say Nephi is a Scotsman, right? Mm-hmm. Following the law. And then someone else says, well, I know a Scotsman who is following the law and he doesn't think that Nephi was righteous. Then in response, we say, well, then your friend clearly wasn't following the law. No true Scotsman. Yeah. That seems like a big problem. <laughs> if that's the mechanism you use to convince people to follow the law. Huge. If true, very big problem. <laughs> um, Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so I can't disagree with what... Hold on. I can't disagree with Nephi killing someone unless 
I meet a standard that I literally can't meet because of the no true Scotsman fallacy. Yes. It is just by definition right, and by definition you can't do anything about it. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> you cannot prove it wrong by definition. <laughs> right. It's by not, definition, you can't. we can't find a reason to prove it wrong. It's just we're defining that you can't prove it wrong. <laughs> So it's kind of an insidious argument then, because what mm-hmm. it's what yeah. Jeffrey R. Holland and this argument seem to be saying is, look, you got to follow your internal compass. But they're also saying, by the way, if your internal compass disagrees with uh, what has already been established, then your internal compass is wrong, mm-hmm. which is essentially saying don't follow your internal compass because follow it only when it agrees with us. Otherwise, oh, don't follow it. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but then we're back to the square one. Like, like, uh, how do you live like that? You don't have a compass, essentially. You're Blind still obedience. Relying on someone Blind else's obedience. Compass. So we don't actually know no one, but the highest authority actually has an internal compass. Which wait, <laughs> but didn't we already talk about this in another episode where like yeah. <laughs> they seem to be doing things that go against the the law, the commandments and such. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, this boils to a pit of, of absurdity. I don't know how much longer we want to. Yeah, okay. So, we so what's another... the punishment for failing to meet these laws? Yeah, yeah, let's get into that aspect of it. Because that is also brought up in Second Nephi. Um, yeah, so just recap for the nth time. We're in a world where this law does exist and somehow you use the internal compass or someone else's internal compass, mm-hmm. who knows, to follow the law. Mm-hmm. Um, if you so happen to not follow the law, <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's bring it up. Uh, Second Nephi 28-23, I believe. 28-23. Uh, I think 9-16 well, so yeah, first look, time. Let's look at, yeah, nine sixteen. at least in this area. We're not saying that there aren't other places. Yeah. Uh, but 916. Uh, so. Ah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Those who, and they who are filthy shall be filthy still. Wherefore, they who are filthy are the devils and his angels. And they shall go away into everlasting fire prepared for them and their torment is as a lake of fire and brimstone whose flame ascendeth up forever and ever and has no end. So, infinite pain and suffering? Yeah. Very gruesome and kind of frightening pain of suffering. Like, the lake of fire, <laughs> the flames just go up forever. Yes. It's an infinitely tall wall of flame, and there's a little lake you got to get in and stay in. And and what... What did forever? What did the devil do and his angels do to deserve this? Um. Well, you see, <laughs> they they brought up an alternate plan that wasn't the law, or something like they that. They disagreed with law, God's plan, which yeah. essentially God's word is the law. Yes. Doesn't matter what was written down previously. If God says something new, that is the law. Oh right. So. So they're proposing a an addendum or a next segment to God's law that he should prescribe to us. And theirs was, we just have to follow the law. Like we have no choice, but to do so. That's not, that's not cool. 
And I don't necessarily agree with their plan. But the reason they're being punished for eternity is because they disagreed with God. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what you can expect if you don't follow the law, which, again, we've just established is really confusing to follow. Also, it's really confusing to be convinced that it, is, it should be followed. Um, there is no clear path to to getting into a state where you can be convinced, at least to any reasonable person, unless you accept the no true Scotsman fallacy, that can be followed. And yet when you don't follow it, you end up in a lake of fire with like infinitely tall flames forever. Yep. That doesn't make any sense. There's a, there's a lot to unpack here, but... You, it doesn't need to make sense to you. <laughs> Stop trying to make sense. It's kind of what happens when we go far enough down these rabbit holes. Everything just stops making sense. It's just true. (laughs) Stop. The law is just the law. It is. And and the law isn't necessarily static. It's dynamic. So what you thought was the law previously. The law is and is not the law. Sometimes. Sometimes it is the law and then the next time it will be not the law. But it is the new law, which is now the law. Yeah, it's... Okay, so <laughs> so Second Nephi twenty eight, um, it talks about uh, some of these end times that we're in, right? Uh, it talks about who will be in Zion, who won't be in Zion, uh, which is just kind of this state of the end of the world, um, and it says some people. This is verse twenty one. Uh, some will say, "All is well in Zion." Yes, Zion prospereth all is well. And by this method, by the people saying all is well in Zion in these end times, this is how the devil cheateth other people's souls and leadeth them away carefully down to hell. So some people say, hey, everything's good, bro. Everything's fine. Um, well, that's the devil taking you down to hell. And not only that, it seems like when they're saying all is well in Zion, yea, Zion prospereth, they think, I might, one might say, they. it seems like they would think they are following the law. So not only can you not know when your compass aligns with the right compass, sometimes your compass or the internal law that you're having, you think it will, but it won't actually. So... Yes. Okay. Verse like three. <laughs> Verse three. For it shall come to pass in that day that the churches which are built up and not unto the Lord will say unto the other, Behold, I, I am the Lord's. And others shall say, I, I am the Lord's. And thus shall everyone say that hath built up churches and not unto the Lord, that they contend with one another. Basically, there's going to be a bunch of churches saying that they are of God. Yeah. So it's not just like the law and then your internal compass, and then sometimes you think you're right and you're not. It, it's like you look around, and there are 40 laws, 100 laws, thousands of laws, all telling you they're the right law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they and- all sometimes can seem identical like the feelings you can have when you're following them yeah. identical to other laws yeah so two people in two different religions both think they're perfectly right and perfectly yeah. justified and are 
you know, going to be in heaven or some form of it eventually. But one of them is clearly wrong. And this, as we just read, this was designed that way. Yes, because it was designed that way. That makes sense, right? Well, <laughs> yeah. And and if you do get cheated, it, again, if you do get cheated, presumably the hevel, the devil didn't make and create hell for himself, right? Mm, God be, created that'd hell. That'd be pretty cool, but yeah, probably not. That'd be that'd be super metal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, it says regarding all these people who get basically tricked into believing the devil's words or those who are of the devil. It says, "Yay, they are grasped with death." and hell and death and hell and the devil and all that have been seized therewith must stand before the throne of God and get chucked into a lake of fire and brimstone, which is endless. So yeah. if you get tricked, which almost everyone, no, which everyone in my family has been tricked to another religion. Yeah. They are not Mormon. Right. One thing I want to say, so all of my family is to me, going to hell. Like the safest option is to not place your bet, because it seems like getting tricked is worse <laughs> than not getting tricked. Just, and it seems like the system is skepticism. designed to trick you. Like he's clearly saying, there's going to be a lot of them that will all say, all claim to be the right ones, and there will be cases when the devil will convince you. And he'll give you indistinguishable feelings from when it is the right ones. So there are literally ways where two people can have the exact same experiences and do the exact same things. And one of them just happens to be in the wrong church yeah. and goes to hell because they okay. were tricked. So it seems like the system was <laughs> optimized for being an atheist. <laughs> it seems like what we should get out Reserving of belief about whether or not there is a God is the best choice. It's most reasonable given the evidence or the, the facts as they're laid out in the Book of Mormon. It's like Pascal's wager, except the you ice. should not believe in God at the end of it. Because it's dangerous. Of Tokyo. Whoa. Okay. Never mind. okay. Well, so, okay. But God would never do this. God is loving. And I was at church uh, in November mm-hmm. with my girlfriend's family. And they're talking about the afterlife where... Basically, everyone gets put into this prison world, which, again, seems to contradict what the scriptures are saying. But anyway, oh, yeah, it's another part of the scriptures. Don't worry about that. Just another point of contradictory. OK, regardless, I like this new version better, where basically everyone goes through this spirit world or in some cases, spirit prison. But you go to spirit paradise or prison to basically wait until the millennium is over and judgment day. Right. Yeah. And you spend your time in either spirit prison or spirit paradise either preaching or being preached to. Right. So you've got like this last yeah. chance to figure it out. Like yeah. If you, if you messed up down here, you'll get, you know, a grace period, if you will, yeah. to kind of sort that out. Yeah. Take two. Yeah. Um, like, are so you sure about that? I, I guess what's bothering me about that concept Is why didn't we just get the opportunity in the first place? Why was it so confusing and weird? And oh yeah, on Earth? and it also seems to like you're saying not only contradict this but completely invalidate this idea that you can be tricked. Yeah, it seems like oh you're gonna get tricked and it's really bad if you choose the wrong one. But actually, when we're done, we like pull the sheet over your eyes, and you know you can see 
what the right one was, then the tricks didn't matter at the end of the day. So Yes. You won't go to hell because in the end you're not actually gonna actually be convinced by the devil and his yeah. angels. Yeah. But along with that, as I mentioned my family earlier, what are people like my grandma, who's now deceased and presumably in the spirit prison mm-hmm. for picking the wrong religion? Mm-hmm. She's getting preached to by missionaries right now. Mm-hmm. What is going through her head? It seems to me the thing going through her head is, I tried my best to worship God and love and help humanity, but I backed the wrong horse. Yeah. Why did God allow me, while I was following my heart, she was following her heart as best as she could. Oh, I yeah. firmly believe that. Oh, yeah. Why did God allow me to be tricked? Not only allow, intentionally made this system that way. So you would. And and not just to add insult to injury, fully knowing that was the outcome. But yeah. we don't have to open that. But now she has to words. sit with missionaries in spirit prison and yeah. they tell her the real thing. Like She's Feeling awful. Like, oh man, you messed up. You were wrong. No two ways about it. That sucks. And then how does that invalidate? Like, how are they going to prove? What are they going to offer as evidence that what she believed before was wrong? Well, that that is a really good question. And I think we're getting into the realm of speculation, right? There's no definitive doctrine on that topic. Like, what actually happens? Sure, sure. But I think we should explore it because I think it's interesting. What could they offer? Because I think there are kind of in gen- generally two options. Right? Yeah. On the one hand, they could offer something that is significantly reasonable evidence. It is good evidence. Um, and, and that's to say that any reasonable person should be able to be convinced. Okay. Or they could not offer that. In which case, it's, okay. it's not really like a take two or it's not really like a you get this last chance to change your mind. It's more of like a extension of what's already happening here. It's the same sort of thing, but different. Okay. More focused. So you're saying there's either good evidence or bad evidence. So either it will become clear to you that you had the wrong religion or it won't. And they're just still like, they're distilling down missionary work to, you know, more intense, but still keeping the sheet over your eyes. Still kind of like, keeping yeah. you not sure about what the right religion is. So, on the one hand, where they just straight off tell you something that you're like, oh, oh, man, yeah, I was wrong. Mormons, they were right. And, like, everybody basically there is convinced except maybe really stubborn people. Um, Who will go down to hell with the devil? Right. Right. I think at that point, if it's something that is so convincing that everyone's convinced, the only people who wouldn't be convinced would be Sons of Perdition, I think yeah. what they're called. Yeah. Um, so, but in, in general, that seems fair like sure i guess but it invalidates the whole purpose of now first of all of our life on earth you mean yes and the whole when people use it as like well it's just a test um we're being tested you got to have faith pick the right church but at the end of the day you go to this prison where it doesn't matter anyway because they'll just tell you the right answer it's like you 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 have this test that you got to take at school right yeah and some people start studying for countless hours and hours months in advance they spend eight hours a day studying for this test yeah but before you everyone starts studying the professor's like actually 
Uh, when you come in to take the test, all the answers will be on the board. Um, so, yeah. And so people start studying. It's like, well, why are you doing that? That doesn't really make any sense, right? Can you get to a higher, can you get to the highest tier of heaven if you study beforehand? Oh, that's a good question. Because maybe it's extra credit. <laughs> it's extra credit if you get the answers right without knowing the answers after God tells you them. But I wait. Don't know. I forgot the, the criteria that. Uh, this is all just so convoluted and evolved. Yeah, but either way, you get into one form you get into of, a pretty good you know, place. A kingdom, a paradise. Yeah. You, you yeah. win a prize. Even if it's not the best prize, who cares, right? It's, it's a, a prize. It's a prize Eternally. way better than the one. Uh, the 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 lowest tier of heaven is described in the scriptures as being basically, from my understanding, infinitely better than what we're experiencing here on Earth. Yeah. So, um, I don't have the actual quote for the from this, but I believe Joseph Smith said, um, or maybe someone else who sure. had a vision about it. He said, "Any man who knew how good it was would kill themselves to get there." Yeah. Um, so, but obviously you wouldn't because that presumably would invalidate you or you know, no, well, as long as you're there. not a son of perdition, I which mean, means as long right. as you don't have the hundred percent whole and complete vision of God, perfect and still deny God. So right. if there is any doubt in your mind, you can still make like you can reject God if there's doubt in your mind. But if there's no doubt and you reject God, then you go to hell. Right. So we're still in this case where. Any reasonable person. They give really good reasons why you were wrong once you get to the spirit prison. Yeah. Basically, everyone is like, oh, yeah, I was wrong. You get to go to the amazing freaking place. It's not the best. But it's pretty cool. But it's awesome. It, it is way better than here. Sure, um, yeah. Okay, so. And here, for at least my life as a white male, has been pretty good. Yeah, sure. Um, well, that says to me is it's a huge, it's a monumental waste of time, right? Um, hundred years is nothing compared to infinity. Yeah, and at least for me, I don't really care to be an overachiever. Um, I'm okay with the the bottom tier of heaven. I would honestly like be okay with this life for the most part. Like, yeah, even if it was just more of this. This this my life. There are definitely people oh, who I oh, see yeah. alive who no way. Presumably, though, no we'd way. be in a world where everyone's life was at least as good as yours. Now. Yeah, my life is if pretty. We lived great. in a world like that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be cool. So, cool. There's no reason to ever go to church or do anything because, at least for me, it's good enough. Don't follow the law. Yeah, no who cares? No, no need to try to pray about that. I'm things. not studying for that exam that has answers. Like, I'm not that kind of person. So, it... Um, and, okay, so that seems kind of absurd. The second option is that they don't give you good evidence and it's still more of the test. It's just like a final chance in different conditions maybe, but it's still a test. So yeah. there are cases where you won't be sure by that token. It seems useless or pointless to have that anyway. Um, Cause so you can pass the first test. You can fit. Um, you can pass the first test and you're fine. So I guess that's why you would want to study because you if that was the case. Well, no, because they're the same test. Oh, it's not I see. First what you're test and second test. It's just more of the same. Gotcha. It's just a little bit more study time. Um, that at that point, You've... you won't have had convincing evidence yeah. of God. So you would still go to the lowest tier of heaven and be fine. So no matter what, 
assuming you don't actually see God and reject him, you're going to go to an amazing place, and there's no point in doing any of this. Church doesn't matter. Again, unless you want to be an overachiever, but it seems to me that that's pretty reasonable, right? Um, there is no risk of hell. Pretty much. It doesn't seem like there's much actual risk of hell, which then I wonder why they even brought it up. Right. Well, and I, I, I want to go back to the mention of it in chapter 28 here, where it's very, very, you know, it's scary. It's like yeah. threatening. Um, it seems like the only reason they would mention that when there's virtually no chance you're going to go there. And actually, um, in other places, it might not actually be fire and brimstone. So, I mean, a lot of people, I, I think, argue that... It says fire and brimstone. Well, I know it says that here, but I've heard a lot of people argue that hell... And I I didn't find a resource for this, but I've heard before that people think hell is just outer darkness, right? It's just separation from God. There is no fire and brimstone. So are you saying God is lying to me when I read fire and brimstone? No, what I'm saying is this kind of seems like a threat, like a harsh, really terrible threat. Yeah. Like there's going to be some really bad things if you don't toe the line. Although actually there aren't. So it's definitely just a threat. It's a kind okay. of, an, uh, what's the word? It's an empty threat. Empty threat. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Does that seem moral? <laughs> I, I mean, I could come up with reasons why it's not moral. But, like, why would God, who is perfect, why he doesn't have to rely on that? Yeah. Like, like if our duty here on Earth is to just figure out where, whether or not God is real and follow it with faith, then why does God, like, that's not faith-inducing. That's, oh, for my own... It's fear-inducing, right? It's fear. It's it's not faith-based at that point. It's saying, "Oh, for my own, for my own preservation of happiness, to avoid eternal misery, I should believe in God." That's yeah. not faith. That's fear. So the only reason why this the this collection of verses we found could be in this book seems like it's a threat that's just trying to scare us into following. I would like to see another explanation of that. Uh... So I, I guess looking back at what, at what we've kind of said, there seems to be this law argument that the law is really important. That's verse 13 from second Nephi chapter two law is critical. It's basically how we know things are real. It's how we know God is real, kind of, yeah. in a weird roundabout way. Um, but the law isn't some written-down thing. We just have to trust in the Spirit to guide us, right? Because there are so many exceptions to the law. Yes. And we can't use the law that is written to judge other people and their actions. So we can't really rely on the written law. We just have to trust on the spirit law. But the spirit law we can't use because if we're not righteous, then we can't use it. Right. So we have to allow other people to tell us what the law, the spirit law is. Indeed. And they say, 
at least the Book of Mormon says, that there's going to be hell if you don't follow the law, but there isn't, you're just going to end up somewhere great anyways. So why follow the law? Why did God, basically what I'm trying to say, why did God bother making the law if following the law is both, A, really hard to do and pointless? Yeah, it seems like just this massive, convoluted, roundabout thing that leads to pointlessness. Um, kind of might be overstepping my bounds here, but it seems like it might have just been patched together by random people over the ages, not knowing what they were talking about, or talking about random things, different things, things that aren't related. This is heresy. I don't want to hear anything. Try to make sense of the world they live in in a very poor way, and they tried to patch all this together in something that makes sense. But if you actually walk through it, step through, step by step, kind of how we've done, that doesn't make any sense. No pathway, no no thing about that plan resonates to me as being, you know, produced by a god or a demigod or someone of superior intellect or infinite intellect. I think my college professor could have come up with a better idea. Yeah. And he is far from perfect. I think I think my I could find a six year old who could come up with a better idea than that. I've heard better plans from six year olds. <laughs> I've come up with better plans, but like it's not that I, it's a low bar we're setting here. I actually once heard a plan from a from a six year old. It was God should have a big slumber party. And that if you're not good, you don't get invited to the slumber party. <laughs> And what this would result in is all the bad guys would be good instead of bad because they want to go to the slumber party. Yeah. <laughs> it's an invitation, guys. You're only invited if you're good. You better start acting up. <laughs> like, oh, man, everyone wants to go to that slumber party. God's and it's going to be there. It's not <laughs> like you have to follow. Like, it's there would clearly be good and bad, just hard lines on what you could do. Not like, oh, yeah. you raped Katie. Oh, but the spirit told you to. So I guess in your case, this that is fine. fine. That's fine. You're good. But you raped Jane, so you over there, you can't come. But this guy, he's fine. He, he's cool. There's... Yeah. And then the rapist would be like, wait, but my spirit said it was okay. Like, and oh, then... wait, but your spirit wasn't the right spirit. That was the devil. Sorry. It was the wrong spirit. So you're still not given to the slumber party. Yeah. So clearly the six-year-old meant there's going to be hard and fast rules about what is good and bad. Well, we're communicating with God. A law. He invited us to the slumber party, and he's probably judging us. Like, we might be, like, taking some artistic license here, but the point is it's not that hard. Like, come up with something better than that. Yeah. Or maybe just like— Have you ever played a video game? Yeah. um, Where you mess up, you die, and start over reincarnation try it again is a better yeah well and no because i think reincarnation sucks because depending on how you do it, it you gotta like keep your memory so i would say have this right, planet right level right, one right, right, everyone right. lives forever and they just stay on the planet until they learn the first level lesson and then you put them on a second planet yeah they learn that lesson and so on and so forth until they're good enough for you right yeah like why have this super convoluted system that doesn't make any sense in the end terrible <laughs> yep i mm. and this was one of the nah. that argument was one of the better arguments that i've seen <laughs> they just keep getting better <laughs> well no i mean 13 verse 13 is one of the better arguments i've seen 
Oh, just oh, yeah. in terms of how it's worded and yeah, and actually coming across as an argument when and you first read it, and, and not someone later reading into it saying, "Oh yeah, that was arguing this." Yeah, yeah, and it's still garbage. Yeah, and Jeffrey R. Holland. I mean, what he's espousing is morally reprehensible. I agree. Yeah. Um, and if you follow the logical system he's proposing, just absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And the absurdities lead to. Well, genocide genocide <laughs> awful things um yeah i mean if you look at what some what was the there was that one massacre that some mormon battalion did on a, a tribe of indians um it was it was in some prairie kind of near where we are okay. within like a hundred miles or so of where we are I've never heard of where that. they just yeah, yeah yeah i'm not surprised yeah they like just <laughs> slaughtered like a hundred people for like basically no reason yeah it seems like a pretty they were justified in doing that right <laughs> yeah how do we prove that they weren't um we try to say their spirit wasn't in tune but then someone else could claim our spirit is i in think tune. jeffrey harlan's spirit isn't in tune i agree nephi's spirit wasn't in tune he killed someone who was you know having a good time being drunk stumbling around there was no need to do that. Yeah, whatever happened to just, like, treating your enemies with respect? Yeah, well, and that wasn't even, like, um, that was, like, the lowest stress situation. You were in zero danger, unprovoked, innocent. Yeah. I mean, whether he was innocent in the past or not, he currently wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. Wasn't hurting anyone else, wasn't hurting anything. You kill him. There's so many other options. It's awful. It doesn't, none of this makes any sense, and... It's convoluted, and it hurts. It hurts my brain. <laughs> to like when we start these episodes, when we when we try to step in the mind and like assume things are true, and like okay, yeah, let's just go with that. It clearly, doesn't make. And we go deep down the rabbit hole. It it it's it's painful. It's painful. It like that's how much little sense it makes. How how? And people believe this, right? Yep. Lots of people. Do you have any of that heroin? <laughs> Shh. Don't tell people about that. It was a secret. <laughs> ah. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy. I want to find a good argument one day. Well, me too, but I haven't yet. And that's why I'm an atheist. <laughs> well, should we wrap it up there? Yeah. Anything else you want to say? <laughs> I'm just frustrated by it all hell but it doesn't exist but i'm gonna threaten you with it anyways and yeah oh and then there's the law but don't pay attention to the law because i'm probably gonna tell you to do something different anyways and that whole argument for why there is a law was just every single implication was wrong <laughs> we we couldn't even make it through it the last one was the worst we didn't even get there the whole creationism yeah it's just like god has to exist which means things couldn't or if god didn't exist that means things couldn't exist but, but so there we, are we other ex- touch that no we were just like there are other explanations <laughs> right game over and we had to just buy into all of that crap just to get the law and then the law itself was super confusing and convoluted and, and, and pointless and then yeah ultimately led to you're gonna get into heaven anyway so what are you worried about and then randomly there's this threat of fire and brimstone Wait. for no reason 
It's so bad. What the fuck happened? I don't know. (laughs) From start to finish. We're just, we couldn't find any correct or any reasonable point. (laughs) It's just stringing together these crazy absurdities to see how far we can go. What the fuck? (laughs) Demon chasing me. Can't find any peace. I can see you running too. So I'll hold on to you. The trees are turning flame. Yeah, we can feel the hate. Like curses on the young. If God can be happy, then he can just define himself into existence.